My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 18. Well, hello and welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. Thanks for attending another confessional. Yeah, that's right. I have a confession to make. You know, sometimes this show becomes a series of confessionals. As I learn and discover these new technologies and come to appreciate what I formerly disdained. Um, so here I am appreciating something. I drove this weekend, or this past weekend, to Cincinnati, left on Friday morning, and then came back uh, on Monday. And I drove a total of about 310 miles without my hands on the steering wheel. The confessional is that Several months ago, I said that I would never trust a young engineer from Detroit to drive, to drive my vehicle for me. Well, I, I got my new F-150, which has Blue Cruise. That's what it's called. And it's blue because it's Ford, and it's cruise because it's part of your cruise control. And we're going to talk today about different levels of driving automation. And I'll tell you how I feel about it. Because I can speak from experience now. Before, it was just kind of watching people drive down the road, looking at their cell phones and watching movies and stuff in their Teslas as they hurled down the interstate at 80 miles an hour. That's something that you can't do, even with a Tesla. But they're doing it, but they're just risking their lives. So I'll tell you how this happened. I got this new F-150. It's a 2023 model, and we were going up to Ohio, to Cincinnati area, to see my grandson. And so as soon as I hit the interstate, uh, exit 23 on I-81, the little thing came up on my dash. It says, Blue Cruise available. And I'd forgotten that this vehicle even had Blue Cruise. And I said, well, okay, let's check this out. So I turn on the cruise control. All of a sudden, my in instrument cluster changes, and it said hands-free or hands-free driving to the left. I mean, the speedometer, everything changed on my instrument cluster. It was really cool. I'd never seen that before. And so the car started steering itself, going down the road. And I took my hands off the steering wheel and put them in my lap, really close to the steering wheel, though, because I don't have 100% confidence in this yet. So I'm driving down the road, and my wife says, you sure you, sh you should be doing that? And I said, yeah, just I've got my hands right here. Don't worry. You just look at your magazine. And so she trusts me, and so that's what she did. We're going down the road, and it's pretty amazing to watch this steering wheel move on its own. And it keeps it centered in the lane. Now, if I want to change lanes, all I have to do is hit my turn signal lever to the right, just, just bump it. The car will, or the truck, in this case, will change lanes and take, take off in that particular lane. And I was really blown away by how, how neat it was. Now, is it necessary? That's the next question that I had to answer for, for myself. How much more relaxing is it to drive when you still have to pay attention, but you don't have to make steering adjustments? I mean, obviously, you're not using as much of your brain, right? Um, if you're just watching. Uh, because, you know, there are motor skills that are involved in keeping a car centered on the lane. Well, I, haven't, I wasn't having to use any of my motor skills. I just had to pay attention. And so how does the car know if I'm paying attention? Well, there are three cameras pointed at me. One is on the A-pillar to the left side of the windshield. There are two more, one above, just above the infotainment center, which is the big screen on my dash. There's one on one side, one on the other side. 
And the reason that you know that they're watching you is all you have to do is look at your wife for a brief second. And then it, you'll get this ding, 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 and the little sign that comes up says, keep your eyes on the road. Probably always a good idea, whether you're self-driving or you know, somebody else is driving for you. I reached, uh, one other time I reached to get a drink. I had a, something in a cup holder. I turned my head, ding, ding, ding. The, the car wants you to pay attention and, and uh, watch what's going on so that you can intervene if you need to. There were two instances where I had to intervene. Well, three. Two of them took place, one going up and the other coming back at the same exact area of the interstate where uh, apparently there were, the curves were, it was too curvy for the, for the um, sensors or what. But both times it told me to hold on to the steering wheel. Now, the cruise was still working. The car was still steering itself. Now, when I say steering itself, I can override it just by turning the wheel, but I can feel it tugging you know, the opposite way at times. But I can overcome it. All I have to do is hit the brake and it completely shuts off or turn the cruise control off, it shuts off. But I can make adjustments with my steering wheel. Otherwise, I would be, I would never use the thing. Because the other time that I had to make a correction was when we were passing by a tractor trailer rig. Now, when I'm going down the road, let's say I'm in the center lane and I'm passing a tractor trailer rig on the right. I naturally get over just a little bit. I don't run in the center of the lane. Do you? I mean, I want to get away from that big truck. So I'm moving over a little bit. I'm cognizant of anything that's in the, the lane over. I'm not going over that far, but I'm going over a few inches just to give myself a little breathing room, and then I just naturally come back. It may be just something that I do subconsciously. I don't know. But the, tr the truck, as it's going past this tractor trailer rig, it's staying dead center in the lane. And that made me feel uncomfortable, so I would move over just a little, little bit. When I passed the truck, I'd let go, and it would drive the rest of the way. Over 300 miles, I drove hands-free, except for the brief few times that I had to intervene. Now, when I went to get off the interstate, I did get off in Berea, Kentucky, and my wife and I went to a beautiful uh, rest stop that had an art museum and, and really cool stuff. If you've ever been through there on I-75, it's worth stopping to look at. But that being said, I, I disabled the system, and then as soon as I got back on the interstate, I, I enabled it again. And my overall impression is that this is a pretty cool thing. The danger is that you get lazy and you, you know, maybe get a little bit sleepier because you're not paying attention. You have to be diligent because this is not automated driving, not even close to full automation. And I'm going to take my first break, and I'm going to come back and talk to you a little bit about the different levels of driving automation. Now, at some point in the future, the cars are going to drive themselves. We're going to tell it where we want to go, and it's going to take us there. And many of these vehicles that, that we will be riding in, maybe not me, maybe not you, but somebody, is going to be riding in. Maybe our grandkids won't even have steering wheels, brake pedals, or gas pedals. So it's, it's coming. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. So I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, it's entirely possible that I will have to eat crow on electric vehicles as well at some point. Because if you've listened to the show any, you know that I'm not a big fan. I love the way they drive. I love the power that they have, how quiet they are, how smooth. I just don't like, you know, how it interferes with my current lifestyle. I like pulling off at a at a pilot and getting and filling up with gas in about Ten minutes going to the bathroom, getting getting my pretzels and and orange juice, and hitting the road. 
I don't um, like the idea of having to sit someplace from for 40 minutes to an hour while my vehicle's charging. And plus, you know, if the charging stations were all over the place, then I wouldn't have as big of an issue. And eventually, you know, they'll come up with a battery system that will charge faster. And, you know, maybe you can pull up to, maybe it'll be like Bucky's instead of having gas, uh, all the gas pumps, 300 gas pumps or however many they have, they would just have charging stations. And it won't be cheap. I can foresee a time when electricity costs as much or more than gasoline when you're traveling on the road. That they will find a way uh, because they cannot give up all of the gasoline tax. So they've got to figure out some other... Listen, the politicians, they're already working on this. Don't you know it? There are... Okay, this transition to uh, electricity versus gas, we got to make it up. How are we going to do it? We're going to charge them per mile? We're going to put some kind of a... Uh, device to monitor their their driving habits of where they drive and how fast they drive so that we can charge them more. They're working on it. Just wait. Okay, so let's talk about autonomous driving. Let's not worry about too much about the future. Let's talk about where we are as far as this autonomous driving thing. Okay, so there are six levels. The first one is level zero. That's what it says here. No automation at all. That's you right now unless you're driving a car that has uh, some type of advanced cruise control, okay? So that would be, you know, it's just basically manual control. The human that's sitting in the car makes all the decisions and all of the adjustments that need to take place when it comes to driving. Okay, number one, level one, it's some driver assistance. The vehicle features a single automated system So, in other words, it monitors the speed through the cruise control. It's really not doing much. It's just warning you when you misbehave. I remember my grandfather had a, let's see, I think the last one that I remember having this feature, it was a 1969 Electra 225, and he had this little dial on his dash that he could move over this little uh, arm to his maximum speed. So if he wanted a warning, if he ever went over 65, he would just dial it over to 65 miles an hour till, till it was pointing there at 65. And whenever his cruise controller, his foot, took him over that speed, it would go, eh. I remember hearing that. That gets your attention. So that is some type of driver assistance, right? So, you know, things like uh, any type of speed monitor, um, you know, something that, that helps you when you're backing up, you know, from ba- running into something. That's some level of driver's assistance. Okay, that's level one. Level two is my F-150. Level two is what they call partial automation, or ADAS. That's a nice little acronym for it. The vehicle can perform steering and acceleration. The human, that's me, still monitors all the tasks and can take control at any time. So there are still expectations of the driver. You have to pay attention. So what I had to do, I just, in order to be safe and to make my wife feel comfortable, I kept my hands just right there at the base of the steering wheel on my lap or close to my knees, depending on your driving position. But my hands were ready to grab that steering wheel in an instant. I even practiced a couple times. You know, I would just reach up and grab it, just see how fast I could get to it. Because, I, again, I'd had no experience with this. But as I drove, as I saw how it performed, it took me about 50 miles to get comfortable. But I still had my hands right there. Now, coming back 
a lot more traffic. I had one hand actually on the steering wheel. I wasn't gripping it, and I could feel it moving in my hand. But, you know, I was a little bit, you know, when your hand's on it, all you have to do is squeeze, you can get there a little bit quicker. At least that was my rationale. So that's level two automation. Level three, I really don't see a lot of differences based on their definition here. It says that it takes in, into account more environmental detection capabilities. So I don't know. It's just probably more sensitive and has more cameras. It says that some of these vehicles have LIDAR radar, which can see through rain and clouds better, you know, fog, that type of thing. So, you know, the level two, like my F-150, will shut off, basically, if it cannot see good lines, like the dotted line down the middle of the road or, you know, the solid lines on the right or left-hand side of the road. So if it can't see good uh, striping on the on the road, it can't function because it uses that to center itself in the lanes. So that's important. Okay, level four. The key difference between level three and level four automation is that level four vehicles can intervene if things go wrong or if there is a system failure. In this sense, these cars do not require human interaction in most circumstances. Yeah, right. That's why there are no level four uh, automated vehicles. You know, Tesla says, you know, that their vehicles will drive themselves. Not really. Um, they can operate in self-driving mode, but in legislate until legislation and infrastructure evolves, they can only do so within a limited area, usually within an urban environment where top speeds reach an average of 30 miles an hour. Uh, this is known as geofencing. Yeah, I know, that's kind of a weird term. But as such, most Level 4 vehicles in existence are geared toward ride-sharing. There are some companies like Alphabet's Waymo, uh, Navia, which is a, a French company, is building a, a Level 4 shuttle and cabs that will run on full electric power and reach a top speed of 55 miles an hour. Uh, Canada is working on a system with Magna to enable Level 4 capabilities in urban and highway environments. They're not there yet, though. Level 5, what's that? Well, that's where you don't have a steering wheel. You don't have a brake pedal. You don't have a gas pedal. You're just a passenger, just like riding a bus, and it goes where you want to go. Now, where I see a big advantage here, though, is for the elderly and for you know young people who need to get to basketball practice or soccer practice or something. But specifically, let's say that that uh, you have a, a level five fully automated vehicle and you can't drive anymore. They've taken your driver's license, but you can still go to the doctor. You can still go to the pharmacy. You can still go on a drive through the mountains if you want to. I think that would be absolutely wonderful. So I hope we get there. I just don't see it in any time in the near future. You know, possibly 20 years from now, maybe. There are a lot of legal hurdles before they could get there. Because, you know, you think about it, if, if you get into one of these uh, fully autonomous vehicles and it crashes or drives off the side of a cliff and there are no survivors, who gets sued for that? You know, right now, I mean, if, if somebody is a reckless driver, it's their fault. But if the car is the driver and, you know, what kind of liability? How do you write insurance policies for vehicles that you don't drive? Yes, one big advantage, though, uh, the more automation there is, shouldn't insurance costs go down? You know, if cars cannot run into each other, which is really getting pretty close as far as the technology is concerned. I mean, 
Imagine if you could cut down on the number of accidents at intersections. Because as cars approached an intersection, it could sense, for lack of a better word, another car approaching rapidly from the left-hand side. I mean, how many, how many vehicle collisions take place because somebody tried to run a red light? Too many. And so this type of technology could allow cars to communicate with each other. And if one is coming too fast and uh, not going to be able to stop, then your car automatically stops because they are within the proximity of each other and they can sense each other. That's not too far off, like I say. I think that type of technology will be here within 10 years. But in the meantime, it's kind of the wild, wild west. You know, the reason I say that is primarily because of the cell phone and the incredible distraction that it is on the road. I I noticed it this weekend, you know, people not doing hands-free and you, you get close to somebody and they're swerving all over the road. Maybe this uh, level two technology like, like I have on my F-150 at least get, will get people centered on the lane and keep them there. And if they do get distracted for one reason or another, you know, because they're on their phone or trying to dial a number, trying to text somebody, at least the car will stay centered in the road regardless. However, you know, those cameras are watching us. You know, it's, you just can't overcome human ignorance sometimes. And we are our own worst enemies when it comes to some of this technology. Human beings will find a way to screw up a good thing. Um, It's just disappointing. Like the guy that was driving the Tesla on the road between, on the interstate between Chattanooga and Birmingham. I hope he's listening. And he was, uh, I ended up having to pass him on the right hand side, the slow lane. He's not supposed to be cruising in the fast lane. And as we got by him, he had his phone propped up on his dashboard, and he was watching a movie with his without his hands on the on the steering wheel. Now, the sensors thought he was looking straight ahead, and he was at a movie. So, like I say, humans being humans. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. During the break, I was looking at Ford's website about their Blue Cruise. And one of these headlines, well, just one of these sections, it says, Experience Effortless Highway Driving. I don't know that I would say that. I mean, you don't have to touch the steering wheel, but you better be close. Uh, They say available Ford Blue Cruise has been put through its paces so you can take on your morning commute or the open road hands-free. Well, you really can't do that either because there's only 130,000 miles of road in the United States that Blue Cruise will work on. Now, uh, GM has something called Super Cruise. I can't remember what Tesla's is called. But it's they're all the same thing. Anybody that says theirs is any better. Now, Ford is getting higher marks for their Blue Cruise technology. And the main reasons are because it has lane change assist, where you can just tap your turn signal lever and it'll go to the other lane. The other thing is predictive speed assist, which when you're approaching a, like a really sharp curve, Ford Blue Cruise will automatically and and smoothly adjust your vehicle speed. I didn't test that, but I guess they they says it has it on here, so it must. And also in-lane repositioning. Now, I did not sense this. I told you when I was uh, passing by a tractor-trailer rig, it was too close. Well, it says here that, that Blue Cruise will give you more space by subtly shifting away from vehicles in adjacent lanes. I didn't feel anything subtle. 
I didn't feel anything. And matter of fact, I did it myself. So you can put your hands back on the steering wheel and make little adjustments if that makes you feel better. It made me feel better. Now, right now, it's uh, only available on the Mustang Mach-E SUV. That's our full electric Mustang. If you can call it a Mustang, it's really a little SUV, four-door SUV with a horse on the front and on the back. And then the F-150 has it also. The F-150 Lightning and the regular F-150 both have uh, Blue Cruise availability. Just because you're driving a, or buy a new F-150 doesn't mean it has Blue Cruise. So if you think you're buying a truck, a lot of people have done that. I was looking at some forums the other day, some uh, Ford forums, where people you know type in messages and ask questions. It's not a bad idea if you're thinking about buying a new vehicle. Is get, on, get on one of those forums first and see what they say about it. A lot of good compliments about the F-150 Blue Cruise. But a lot of people say, well, how do I know if I have it or I don't? Well, you, number one, you, you read your owner's manual. That should be the first thing, but most people don't do that. So go join a Ford forum and you can find out. But basically, it's F-150s, Mach-E's, and the all-new F-150 Lightning. So if you're an early adopter, then this might be something you want to look for. You can be a guinea pig just like I was. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Again, if you have any questions, uh, call me, 423-552-2020, or you can email me to LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com, and I'll see you next time.